Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can tune in every day from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time, and we've got pastors standing by to answer your Bible questions and to pray for your prayer requests. So if you have a question about something that's come up in your Bible reading that's puzzled you, or maybe you're wondering what uh, the Bible has to say about an issue going on in your life or going on in society at large, uh, this is a great place to call with those questions. We'd love to hear from you and hopefully bring some clarity to those questions from a biblical perspective. And this is also the place where you can call in with your prayer request. Maybe there's something going on in your life, and it's not so much that you have a question as much as you just like the people who are tuning in to this show and the people who are listening to be able to agree together in prayer and, and lift up your need and your situation to the Lord. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for your prayer requests and answer those questions you have. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Here at the beginning of the show is always a really good time to call in because uh, here for these first few minutes, we're just standing by waiting for your calls to come in. So we've got open lines. Again, the number to call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and into Southern Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. So glad to have you with us today. You're hearing the show live. Today is Monday, October 18th. We're glad to be uh, able to be on the air with you live here along the front range of Colorado and up into southern Wyoming. We also want to greet those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. We also want to greet the listeners who have recently joined our broadcast network um, for this show, who are listening on stations all over the United States, everywhere from Wyoming and uh, Texas, all the way over to Georgia, Florida, and a lot of places in between. Welcome to all of you. We're so glad to have you with us as well. And we'd love to hear from you, but we do want you to know that those of you who are listening on Hope FM and Truth FM and across the southern states, you're hearing the show on a one-week delay. So we just want you to know that and keep that in mind, but we don't want that to hinder you from calling in with your prayer requests and your Bible questions. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000 for the call-in line, and the text line is 720-336-0897. Give me a call with your Bible questions, maybe something you've always wondered about or something you'd like some clarity on, and give me a call with your prayer requests. A lot of people listening right now, and they'd love to agree in prayer and say yes and amen along with us as we lift those prayer requests up to the Lord. So, so good to have you with us. I also want to greet our listeners who are tuning in on our mobile app and 
uh, gracefm.com. So Gracefm has a great free mobile app. If you don't yet have it for your phone or your tablet, go ahead and go get it. Again, it's free. Just go in your, um, you know, if whether it's the App Store or the the Google Play Store for your device, you just download, type in Grace FM, one word, no spaces, and it'll come right up. It's a totally free app. And with that app, you can listen anywhere in the United States, but also you can listen anywhere in the world. And we often have listeners who tune in from uh, South America, from Africa, from Asia, and from Europe. And so we would love for uh, you to spread the word to anybody out there, because with the app and with the internet, really anybody out there can listen. I know we have some regular listeners who are way outside of our local area here in Colorado, and we're so glad to have all of you tuning in. So give us a call. We'd love to hear where you're calling from and what questions you have about the Bible and what prayer requests we can be praying for you for. So the number to call once again, 303-690-3000, and the text line, 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. Uh, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado, and I've been the pastor here for nine years. Prior to that, I was in Hungary as a missionary with Calvary Chapel, and there we planted churches. My wife and I planted two churches and worked in another church plant. Um, and so we were there for over over a decade there in Hungary, um, doing humanitarian work, but primarily doing uh, church planting and and missionary work. And so after that time there, the Lord brought us back here to the United States and um, been here for the last nine years, pastoring the Whitefields Community Church. Um, I didn't start the church here. I took it over. It was a ongoing church plant, and I took it over, and by God's grace, we have uh, seen the church grow and flourish, and really just uh, seen God, a move of God here in Longmont through the church. About a year ago, we moved into our own facility, something that we'd been needing to do and wanting to do for a long time, and finally came to fruition, and we're so glad that we waited and were patient on the Lord because He gave us a place that was exactly what we had hoped for and needed. And we'd love to have you come and worship and, and see the place that God's given us here. We're right on Highway 119, which is the main highway from I-25 into Longmont and then down into Boulder. And uh, we're just on the north side of Highway 119, just east of County Line Road, and uh, just north of Sandstone Ranch Community Park, which is our big sports complex here on the southeast side of Longmont. We're very close to I-25, and and like I said, close to County Line Road, right on Highway 119. So whether you're coming from uh, Boulder, we have more and more people coming from Boulder these days. Uh, we have people coming from Erie and Lafayette. We have people coming a lot from Frederick, Firestone, Decono, Mead, uh, Berthoud, We've got people coming from Lyons and Pinewood Springs, sometimes Estes Park as well. And so if you're in any of those surrounding communities around Longmont or Longmont proper, or even if you're further out but you're within driving distance, we'd love to have you come and worship with us. Our physical address is 2950 Colorful Avenue. So 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado. And like I said, we're just in between I-25 and downtown Longmont, right on Highway 119. And if you're ever driving down Highway 119, just look to the north uh, in between I-25 and County Line Road, and you will see us uh, just on the north side. We've got a big sign that can be seen from the highway. So we'd love to have you worship with us. If you're outside of our local area, you can also worship with us online at whitefieldschurch.com. So whitefieldschurch.com, that's also a good place for you to find directions to our church or to find uh, some of our past sermon series if you want to go and listen to some messages on there or find out 
more about our staff and leaders, you can do that all on our website. And I'm also uh, on Grace FM twice a day. So at 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m., we have our teachings on Grace FM and also on Sundays at 1 p.m. So we'd love for you to tune into those and share that stuff online. If you're a podcast listener, check out the podcast called Theology for the People. That's a podcast I started about six months ago and um, really surprised uh, me how, how much traction it's gotten over these past few months. We try to take theological concepts and bring them to a level where people can understand them. So you might check that out, Theology for the People. There's a blog site and a podcast that goes along with it. So with no further ado, let's go to our first caller, Vina in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Vina. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. My name is Vina, and okay. I uh, have a prayer request and a question. Great. Go for it. Okay. Uh, my prayer request is for my husband. He is at his aunt's funeral, you know, and uh, it. And uh, I feel really bad for him. You know, his heart's broken. So can you pray for him and his family? And uh, I have a question. My question is, why is the number three and a half so important? Elijah stopped the rain for three and a half years. Um, Jesus taught for three and a half years. And the tribulation is cut into two periods of three and a half years. Yeah, so the simple answer to that question is that God God tends to like to do things in certain numbers. They don't always have a symbolic significance, but oftentimes they do. And so, you know, we see a couple numbers that are recurring through the Bible. The, the number 40 is a very significant, you know, repeated yeah. number. Jesus is tempted for 40 days. It rains for 40 days during the flood. The children yeah. of Israel in the wilderness for 40 yeah. years, etc. So that that's generally considered a generation, 40 years. Um, there are a few other numbers that would would also rival that as far as uh, defining what a generation is according to the Bible. Of course, the number seven being the number of wholeness or completion, and yeah. uh, the number three, of course, reminding us of the Trinity, right? That God is a triune being, Father, Son, and Spirit. Yeah. And yet, uh, to me, you know, the number seven and the number three and a half is is essentially seven divided in half. So there's the significance for the tribulation right there. Three and a half years of peace followed by three and a half years of great tribulation. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I don't know. I, I wouldn't read too much significance into it. I remember a few years ago, there was a guy who was uh, going around calling himself a biblical numerologist. Oh, and, no. And all of my uh, you know, theology friends were like, yeah, that's actually not a real thing, right? Like, that's not... Other than that guy, like there's no no such thing as a biblical numerologist. Um, okay. Well, so, I thought it had to be important because Jesus himself, you know, did three and a half years of ministry, and Elijah was really close to God, and that was, you know, three and a half years, and the tribulation's the last thing, you know. But well, well, I will tell you uh, okay, this. Okay, so, I, so but, not, not to read too much. Of, into yeah. it because it's been really, you know, I read the Bible every day. I listen to Grace Radio every day. I pray every day, and there's just some things that really confuse me, you know? So. Well, I will tell you this, okay? Here's, here's one significance I would say that these things have. Okay, so on the one hand, like if, if you see the number three and a half, you know, three or four times in the Bible, I guess on the one hand, 
it really doesn't do anything to change your life. Like, what do you what are you supposed to do with that information? Well, right? just to know the Bible more, you know, just sure, to sure. know everything. Why? But, everything but on the is said. on the other hand, I would say here is here is the one significance to it. The, the most important thing to know about the Bible is that the Bible is a story about Jesus. And yes. That's really important because okay. uh, we could ask the question, you know, what is the Bible? And people would answer that in different ways. Some people would yeah. say okay, the Bible so, is... So if I put more significance in something, I'm putting something above our Lord. No, and... no, no, no. Hey, hang on a second. Let me, let me finish my thought. Um, here, here's my point. That when we read throughout the Old Testament these things, like repeated numbers... Uh -huh. The reason those things have significance is because the Bible is a story about Jesus, which means, as it says in Colossians chapter 2, that all things that came before were pictures and foreshadowings which were pointing uh -huh. to Jesus. So, for okay. example, when we read that Elijah was stopping the rain for three and a half years, you know, it, it's just building up all of these things which are pointing us to, you know, preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus. Oh, okay, so Jesus served for three and a half years. And there, so is, coming, okay. and there is coming a time of great tribulation that will last for three and a half years prior to his return. So that, that would be the significance of it. Oh, that totally tied it together for me. I thank you very much. I appreciate your help. No problem. Let's pray for your husband right now. Okay. Heavenly Father, we pray for Vina's husband as he's struggling right now being at the funeral of his aunt. Lord, we pray that you would give him comfort. Lord, we pray that you would help him, that he would not mourn as those who have no hope, but Lord, that we would mourn uniquely as Christians, whereas on the one hand we are sad and we weep like Jesus wept at the funeral of his friend, Lazarus, and yet we know that the resurrection is coming for those whose faith and trust is in you, Jesus. And so help us, Lord, that we would uh, grieve, and yet we would mourn as those who have hope in eternal life. So, Lord, I pray that you would comfort him during this time, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless God you, God bless Vina. you. All right, God bye -bye. bless you. All right, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe there's something you've always wondered about, like Vina there, wondering about the significance of certain numbers in the Bible. Or maybe there's a prayer request that you have, um, something going on in your life that you'd like us to lift up to the Lord and so that all those who are listening can say yes and amen in agreement. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line, 720-336-0897. I think we've got two open lines right now, so it'd be a good time to call in with those questions and those prayer requests. And uh, we've got quite a lot of text messages that have come in in the meantime, so I'm going to go over there, and uh, we're going to pray for some of these prayer requests that have come in via the text line. The first one here is someone asking for a prayer for his great-nephew named John Anthony. And um, we asked before, or he asked before for his surgery that he had in August, um, but he is a baby, by the way, six months old, and now they're wanting to do a kidney transplant. And so um, we need to pray for this baby um, 
again, less than six months old and really in some bad shape, really needing a lot of help. And um, so let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we pray for John Anthony, little baby who is having so many surgeries right now at such a young age and needing a kidney transplant. Lord, we know that you you love children. Lord, you, you had a heart for children when you were here on the earth. And Lord, we ask that you would really help this family, particularly we ask for healing and for the, the well-being and, and just complete wholeness and health of this baby, John Anthony. Lord, I pray that he would not even require a kidney transplant, but Lord, if he does, we pray that he would get a kidney and that his body would receive it rather than reject it. Lord, we pray for him that he would be well during this time. Lord, we pray for his family. Lord, that you would comfort their hearts. Let them know that no matter what happens, Lord, you will be with them, you will carry them, and you will see them through this trial. And Lord, we pray that their hope and their trust would be in you, that in the midst of this hardship and uncertainty, rather than turning away from you and growing embittered in their hearts, so that they would turn to you in faith and allow you to bring them comfort and strength during this time. So we pray for this family, and we pray for this baby, John Anthony, for healing, for grace, for wholeness and well-being. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you're listening to Calvary Live. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 with your questions about the Bible. And with your prayer requests, the text number is 720-336-0897. Let's go to Trey in Memphis, Tennessee. Hey, Trey, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going? Going great. How are you? Doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. Yeah. So what's up? Um, I've got a... I got two questions I feel like kind of deal with each other. Uh, the first one is from 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, um, okay. where, it talk, where Paul talks about uh, how we shouldn't grieve uh, those who have died in Christ, uh, that whenever he comes back, uh, they'll be lifted up before those who have not died in Christ or have fallen asleep is what he uses. Um, and I was wondering, uh, the ones that have passed away, I was always taught in Sunday school and whatnot uh, that once we die, we go to heaven. And I was wondering if if what that is saying is if we die and do we just stay dead until he calls us with the trumpet and uh, the voice of the archangel and, like, I don't know. I mean, does the question make sense? Yeah, your question makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you're, you're definitely not the first one to ask it. Um, so what you're asking is, you know, really simply, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And yet, it says here that those who die in Christ sleep until they're called up to the Lord. So how does that make any sense? Yes. Yeah, so here, here's the answer. Um, and, and again, this isn't something that all—I think that a lot of Christians still— you know, are trying to figure this out. It's not exactly clear. But um, here's the best that I think that we can say. And I, I think it's clear enough. And here's what it is. Is that um, Paul is again writing to people who are wondering, you know, because they were expecting the return of Jesus to happen within weeks, perhaps, and then months, and then years went by, and then people died. And they're like, oh no, what about people who died before Jesus returned? Because they weren't expecting that to ever, you know, to ever have to deal with that question, but then they did. And so Paul is comforting them saying, hey, hey, don't worry. Those who have fallen asleep, because that is the euphemism 
that Christians used, the early Christians used for death, because they said that a person who dies in faith in Jesus never truly dies. They just sleep and, and they're in the, they wake up in God's presence when he calls them. But the best way to understand this dichotomy, if you will, is to say this. What Paul says in 2 Corinthians is true, and what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians is true. So how do we meld those two? Well, here's how. What it means is that what Paul's talking about in 1 Thessalonians is the resurrection of the body, okay? And what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians, when he says to be absent from the body, to be present with, from, with the Lord, is talking about the soul. And so what this all means is that if you were to die today, and I'm assuming you're a believer in Jesus, then your soul would go to be with God. But then at the resurrection, when Jesus comes and, the, and calls up our physical bodies, right? then your soul would be united with your resurrection body, similar to Jesus' resurrection body that he had as the first fruits of the resurrection at his resurrection on Easter Sunday. You know, and there are a few things we know about Jesus' resurrection body, just simply. One was that um, it, was, it was tangible, meaning that it had substance, right? It could be touched. He could eat things. People could put their, wound, their fingers in his wounds and touch him. And yet, on the other hand, he wasn't hindered by physical limitations in the way that we are. He was able to... Like a locked door. <laughs> precisely, yeah. And being able to, to appear and move distances and things like that. So does that make sense, that understanding? Oh, yeah, definitely. And that, thank you so much for clearing that up. Uh, and uh, the second question is, uh, in Revelation 20 and 21, uh, both of those chapters speaks of a new heaven and a new earth, uh, and uh, that the people that are not in Christ, uh, the people that are in Hades, will be cast into the lake of fire is... Is uh, hell, the lake of fire, is that uh, kind of like the new heaven and the new earth? Like, is nobody in hell right now? Is everybody that's not in Christ, are they in Hades right now? Or, like, mm. how, does, how does that work? Yeah, let me, let me dial back to answer your question and give you a little bit okay. bigger picture. I've also written an article about this on my website where I lay it all out and with all the references. So I'm going to recommend that you go and look at that. Um, okay. I'll be able to tell you the title here. In just a second, I believe the title is, Did People Go to Heaven Before Jesus' Death and Resurrection? That's the title. And if you type that into the search bar on my website, you know, something about heaven, Hades, hell, it'll come up. But the title is, Did People Go to Heaven Before Jesus' Death and Resurrection? And the website to find that is nickkady.org. So it's N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. So just go there, hit the search button. And uh, this article will come up. And for anybody else listening right now, if you just want me to text you a link to that article, I can do that. Just uh, text your uh, text to uh, 720-336-0897, our text line, and I'll text you back a link to it uh, for anybody who's interested. Maybe you're driving right now. It's not a good time. Okay, so let, let me just uh, lay it out for you here, Trey. In the... Book of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, there's a really important story that helps us make sense of some Old Testament terms. And what's interesting is it's Jesus is telling some parables, but when it comes to this particular story, he, he doesn't tell it as a parable. He tells it as a story of something that really happened. 
So that helps us to make sense of how we understand some Old Testament terminology. Now, the specific terminology in question is the, the question of Hades, hell, and a place called Sheol, because in the Old Testament, we read about Sheol a lot. Sheol is the Jewish concept of the uh, dwelling place of the dead. But, for example, in Psalm 139, uh, the psalmist says, If I descend into Sheol, you are there. Now, so if Sheol is the same as hell, then how is it that it is he's saying that God is present in hell? That would be kind of the opposite of what we read in the rest of the Bible, like in Second Thessalonians, where it says that to be in hell is to be cut off from the presence of God, right? So, so that can't be what it means. So what is Sheol? Well, Jesus tells us what Sheol is in Luke chapter 16. And what he says there is that essentially Sheol is divided into two areas. The one area is called Abraham's bosom. The other area is called hell or Hades. Now those are the same thing, right? They're just, Hades okay. is a Greek, Greek word for hell. So hell and Hades are the same thing. So think about it like this. There's one area and that area is divided into two places. Now between those two places, there is a void which cannot be passed between the two. He, he explains that in Luke 16. And he says, you know, this man who died named Lazarus, who was a beggar, poor man in life, he goes to Abraham's bosom, a place of comfort, as they wait the, the redemption which will come through the Messiah. The other guy goes to Hades, or hell, which it says is a place of torment, but it's also a waiting room, if you will. So we've got two waiting rooms in Sheol. Now what happens when Jesus comes? You can read about this in, let's see, um, Ephesians chapter 4, for example, where it says that Jesus descended into, uh, and he, he descended into Sheol, and he led captives in his train up to heaven. So here's what happened. During the time after Jesus was killed on the cross, he descended into Sheol to release those who were in Abraham's bosoms, bosom, because now those people had been redeemed by the death of Jesus, right? Their sins had been paid for. So now they were done waiting and they were able to be taken, those souls, into the express presence of God, which is why if you were to die today, that's where you would go. Your soul would go there as you wait the bodily resurrection, which is to come. Okay, so okay. then those who were in the waiting room of hell and Hades, they're still there, right? So if someone dies apart from faith in Jesus, that's where they go. But understand, that's a waiting room. And what they're waiting for is the end, at which time at the return of Jesus, it says there will be a judgment of the living and the dead. The living and the dead will rise, and the dead will rise to judgment and then essentially what it says there in Revelation 20 and 21 is that hell and Hades will be poured out or emptied into the lake of fire. And it says this is the second death. So essentially what that means is that hell and Hades are a waiting room, just as Abraham's bosom was a waiting room for heaven. Hell and Hades are a waiting room for the ultimate destiny, which is the lake of fire into which they will be emptied in the end. And Satan will also be cast into lake of fire, we're told. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. So, cool. We got <laughs> that, that, we got that all in. We got that all in before the break, which was my goal. I've been watching the <laughs> clock being like, oh man, I hope we make it before the break. So Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate it, man. I, I really do thank you and for everything you do as well. So Awesome. Hey, uh, we're glad to have you listening, Trey, in Memphis. Are you listening online or are you listening on one of our uh, syndicated stations? 
I'm listening on uh, 106.3 on the uh, radio. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, we, you know, the, the family of stations listening to this program has expanded recently, and we're, we're excited to have listeners like yourself calling in from new areas. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's definitely good to have a, a resource like y'all, definitely. Awesome. God bless you. Take care. God bless you. You take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live. With that, we've come right up to our mid-show break. So give me a call on the other end of the break. We've got two open lines. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line, 720-336-0897. 0897. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado here today. We'll be right back in two minutes time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible as well as your prayer requests. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Claire in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Doing great. Good. Um, I had a question. I'm teaching second grade, and I was reading them a book about... um, the mountains, basically, formation of the mountains, and it said they were um, formed millions and millions of years ago, and then they were saying that the older mountains would be more ground, you know, eroded down, and the and the younger mountains would still be more jagged. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, um, you know, what does the Bible say about how mountains were formed? I thought maybe it was from the flood, and then some of them would just be shorter because that's just how they came out. And then the other the other ones would be taller because that's how they, you know, I, I don't know if the plates really crashed together and that's how they popped up. But it doesn't make sense to me biblically that some would be older and some would be younger. Yeah, so, that's a good question. Can so, you, yeah. Yeah. I'll do my best. You know, I'm not a geologist or anything like that, but you know, one, one of the benefits we have here in where I'm at is in Longmont, Colorado, which is uh, in Boulder County. And here in Boulder, we have a lot of geologists. We have a lot of scientists and a lot of um, space engineers and things like that. And so uh, it's awesome for me to be at church and, you know, get to talk to literal rocket scientists and geologists about these kinds of questions. And I I just love hearing their explanations of these things. Um, So I have talked to some geologists and there's a few different takes on this. Okay. So one of the takes is that, yeah, God just created it that way. And then some of the mountains, of course, here in Colorado is a big one that a lot of our mountains show effects of being covered with water which is really interesting because we have uh-huh. large, large mountains. How could that be? Well, it would be co- in complete alignment 
with what the Bible says, especially the way that what's, what's really particularly interesting here in Colorado is that where they found a lot of dinosaur bones. Um, uh -huh. I was just actually over in that area today. Um, the area where Red Rocks Amphitheater is, uh, it's called Morrison. And there's uh, a place there where they found a bunch of dinosaur bones just kind of like piled up, you know? But so how is this that all these dinosaurs were just like hanging out and then got piled up at the, and, you know, then their bodies got like fossilized at the same time. Well, it would make a lot of sense if what actually happened was, you know, they got hit with some kind of deluge or, or rain or water and they got pushed up against the mountains, essentially trying to escape and got covered in water. So it, it does, you know, a lot of these things do add up if that's the, uh, if you accept from the beginning that the, what the Bible says is true then that forms, you know, a, a kind of a grid that you look at things through, and then it makes a ton of sense. Um, as far as your other question, the, another way to look at this is that, um, you know, some people would say, just as God created Adam as a mature human being, it's very much possible that God could have created the world as a mature earth, meaning that, you know, Adam was born not as a baby who had to grow, um, but as a, an adult human being. In the same way, couldn't God have created the world to essentially appear old or look old and a, a mature earth? So that's a very popular um, idea, and I think it, it holds some weight. Uh, and finally, another aspect, and this is held by devout Christians, including those who belong to a group called the Discovery Institute, who you might uh, check into. That's a uh, Christian group, but they're an intelligent design kind of research group. And most of those guys hold to a view called, um, uh, I'm not actually sure what it's called, but what they believe is that um, the that when we read about God creating the world in seven or six days, they would say that those six days represent epochs or epochs or however you pronounce it, periods of time during which creation took place. And yet they would say that they are not, um, they are not what you might call uh, theistic evolutionists by any means. They would say they believe that God created the world and then exactly what the Bible says about God creating creatures and animals, that he did that exactly how it says in the Bible that he did instantaneously. So um, all that to say, uh, th there are a couple different ways to look at this. Um, you know, for more information, I would encourage you to look at the Discovery Institute's website and the website of Answers in Genesis. Okay. Okay, I checked answers in Genesis, and I just put in mountains and mountains formed, and I couldn't really find anything exactly, but I can look some more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I think that um, I think that there's got to be something out there, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll actually ask some of my friends here at, at church who work with the Discovery Institute. One of one of them is the leader for the Discovery Institute's Denver branch. So, um, okay, that's a good question, though. I'll, I'll ask him what they've. What, what they've compiled on that subject. Okay. That sounds good. Cool. Thank you hey, very much. I appreciate your, your show. God bless you, Claire. Bye-bye. Yep. Right, hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 Three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to our next caller, Pat in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Pat. Welcome to the program. 
Hey, Pastor Nick. Um, hope you're well. Everything's going good. Oh, things are going great. Thanks, Pat. Nick, you were just talking about uh, uh, the caller before this one. You were talking about Luke 16, and and you were said that you said that uh, Jesus told that story uh, more or less as opposed to a parable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard arguments on both sides. Um, one, it doesn't fit the format of a parable because he mentions a name, and uh, there's a few people he mentions. Abraham, he mentions a name, and in parables they don't, don't usually do that. But then there's also, on the other side of the fence, they're talking to each other the uh, across this great chasm, and uh, to the impression that if this is a real story, that people uh, will be able to talk to those that are in hell Mm. or in the place of torment. So it kind of creates problems. So the... And I'd be curious to see if you think differently about it. I landed in the fact that it, it must be a parable, Mm-hmm. Uh, and the word that, uh, and there's other things associated with it, like Lazarus means one uh, who God helps and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it may not be a person. It was just a story to give insight to uh, Sheol, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So Herman, uh, your belief that you do this as a, a narrative as opposed to a parable? Yeah, I'm not firm in that uh, belief, right? I'm definitely not uh, dogmatic about that. I think that it it has, it, the way it's framed, it could easily be that Jesus is telling a story. But you know what? The argument for it being a parable and, and the argument against it being a true story, here's one of them, is that the fact that the man is named, Lazarus right. is named, whereas the other guy is not, um, that's an incredible role reversal or an incredible difference of values in God's kingdom, which is one of the things that Jesus always emphasized, that his kingdom Correct. is an upside-down kingdom, right? It's upside-down from the values right. of this world. And, and the essence there is this, that in God's kingdom, this man who on earth, you know, so many people walked by him and nobody knew his name. He was just a, a poor man and a beggar. But in heaven, God knows the name of Lazarus but the name of the other man is not even mentioned, right? He he is now the nameless man who, without an identity. Yeah, it seems that the the story, either the narrative or the parable, is putting four themes in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of supporting different themes that are in heaven. But when you read the uh, the the pericopes of uh, before the Lazarus story it kind of all winds up into one story, giving various aspects of uh, of what Christ was trying to say. So I, I don't know. It's just uh, because that's major. If you look at that as a parable, then you're looking for, okay, what, what kind of message is Jesus telling me? But if you're looking at that as a narrative, you're literally taking what he's saying and saying, this is it. This mm-hmm. is the way it, it, it is. And... Uh, so it seems like a, a, you you, you got to make sure you land in the right place because it's much different thinking of something as okay I'm getting the theme of what what heaven's like, but if you're telling it as a narrative now you're giving me factual information about what occurred uh, and I don't know it's a scary walk isn't it? 
Mm. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, that's the that's the thing about biblical interpretation, right? Why it's so important. Uh, all right, Nick. I, I was just curious of, of where you. So you're not dogmatic about it. You're just. You, yeah, you're, I'm suggesting that it could be a story. Okay. But I'm not dogmatic about it. I mean, he is telling it in a series of parables. Right. Right. So I mean, it would make sense that it it's fitting into several chapters worth of parables, right? Chapter 15 and chapter right. 16 include parables. Um, exactly. And, and yet, he's also laying out principles, right? So he talks about, uh, right before this, just a principle about divorce and marriage, uh, divorce and remarriage, right? Then he, he lays out a principle about heaven and hell. Um, so clearly, his goal is to set out a principle and explain something about heaven and hell. And, yeah, and really, the, exactly. the purpose of the story is, yeah, to kind of help us understand how things work. But one of them is, this man says, I wish that I could go back and tell my family members about this. Yeah. And the message is, they have no. Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And, yeah. and I'll tell you what, um, I, I do funerals sometimes, right? And sometimes I do funerals for people whose salvation was definitely in question, right? People who perhaps never confessed faith in Christ or perhaps even disavowed Christianity. And whether I'm doing that, yeah, it's absolutely very tough. And uh, one of the things I do, and, and I do this also with a person who is a believer, but of course it's, it's much uh, easier in that case. But what I do is I, I actually go to this passage and I say, Jesus tells this story. Here's what happened. Two people died, you know, and this man who had a good life here on earth, he went to hell. And here's what he realized. And here's what this man said. He said, I wish I could go and tell my family this, what I've now, what I now know to be true. And so, you know, what I'll say is that, listen, if your loved one were here today, you know what they, what they would want to do? Your loved one would love to come back here, and if they could speak to you, they would tell you that heaven and hell are real, that God is real, and they would want you to pay attention to what God has to say. And yet they can't come here, but we have the story from Jesus that tells us that this is what they would want for you. And I think that's, a, I think that's the point of the story, and I think that um, it's a very powerful message because it's, it's also extremely true, right? Oh, it's definitely powerful. <laughs> yeah, that that whole imagery is powerful, and and like you say, and 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 I think Jesus is putting across certain themes. This is this is what it's like in heaven, and you make a beautiful point about uh, the rich man not being named. Uh, things are mm. upside down there. So several points are made in that. Well, Nick, uh, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. I've talked to you a few times. Pat, and, I always uh, love I love hearing just from love you. The word. All right. You take care. Have a blessed day. Awesome. God bless you, Pat. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got a lot of text messages that have come in today, and we've also got a lot of calls. So we're going to prioritize the calls. We'll get to the text messages after them. But if you would still like to call in with your prayer requests and with your questions about the Bible, give me a call at 303 Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. I've gotten a lot of texts uh, with people asking for the link to the article I mentioned earlier 
about Hades and hell and did people go to heaven before Jesus, Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, so if there's any of you out there who were looking for the text line, just text me and I'll text you back a link, 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, uh, Robert in Colorado Springs. Hi, Robert. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Pastor Nick. How are you? Doing great. Um, I had a question. It's kind of silly, uh, but it just popped in my head, and I figured I'd ask it for everyone else that's probably wondered it at some point or another. Mm -hmm. Uh, But my question is, since Adam did not have an earthly mother or father, did he have a belly button? Well, I would say this. that Adam's uh, belly button... Right, a belly button's created when your umbilical cord is cut, and it seems to me he was created without an umbilical cord. So, my guess is that he either had no belly button or he had a pretty weird-looking belly button. So, that's my <laughs> okay. that's my theological answer to you. All right, awesome. Uh, and if that's not too much trouble, could I get you to pray for my dad? He's kind of declining in health. I'm actually fixing to be moving back in with him so I can take care of him. But I wanted to see if I get some prayer for him. Yeah, you bet. Let's pray for him. Heavenly Father, we pray for Robert's dad, and we ask, Lord, that you would um, be with him as his as his uh, health is declining, Lord. I pray for his dad, that his dad would be trusting in you, that he would be comforted, Lord, that he would have uh, time in this maybe decreased mobility, Lord, to, to really focus on uh, preparing for the next stage in life, as Jesus tells us that a wise man does. And so we pray, Lord, that he would be drawing near to you. And we pray for Robert, Lord, that you would help him to minister to his dad uh, during this time. What, a, what an awesome way to get to serve someone, uh, to serve them at the end of their life. And we pray that you'd help Robert to do that well. Give him patience towards his dad. Give him just overwhelming love in his heart for his dad. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, be with them. This would be a time in their lives that, that Robert really comes to treasure. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Nick. You have a wonderful evening. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got just over 10 minutes left in the program, which means there's plenty of time for you to call in or send in your questions via text message. We'd love to answer your questions about the Bible and and pray for your prayer requests. So give us a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Gavin in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Gavin. Welcome to the program. Hi. I have a, I have a question. Um, I have some friends that, uh, well, I guess one in particular who, um, he's a really good Christian. He's known the Lord for a while. Um, and he's always like saying that like uh, God told him certain things, saying like God told me to do this, God told me to say this to you, and um, yeah, I'm just wondering like it kind of makes me uncomfortable when he does that, and uh, when other people do that, I just want to know what you think about that. Like, uh, I guess what it is is like supposed words of knowledge, and does that kind of thing still happen? Yeah, so here's my two cents on that. Um, I do believe it happens. I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm what you would call 
a sus uh, what am I saying? I said the opposite of what I meant to say. Um, I am what you call a continuationist, right? So people are divided into, let's say, two camps on this topic. You have people who are called cessationists, which means they believe the uh, gifts, particularly the sign gifts, meaning the supernatural gifts, are have ceased, hence right. cessation. And then on the other hand, you have people who are continuationists, right? So continuationists believe that the gifts have not, including the sign gifts, have never ceased to exist. And the fact that we may not see them as much as we have at certain times or as much as we hope that we would doesn't mean that they have ceased. And so um, as a continuationist, you know, I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what we read about in the Bible is exactly what can and should happen even today. And so, you know, I think about passages in the Bible like Acts chapter 8, I think is a great example of this, where you see God speaking to Philip the evangelist and telling him by the Holy Spirit to do things and to say things, etc. And uh, I think that's a great example of what it looks like to be led by the Holy Spirit. And like you mentioned in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Corinthians 12, we read about different gifts of the Spirit, including a word of knowledge. And I think that that's a really important gift that's needed in the church. On the other hand, here's the other part of this, is that sometimes just because somebody says that they're hearing from God doesn't mean that they necessarily are. And so, you know, it's kind of the ultimate trump card, right? You can just say, well, God told me to tell you this, and there's no way to question it, right? I can't just, right. I can't tell you to prove it. Um, I can't, you know, there's no way to actually do that. So it's, it's highly uh, subjective in a way. And there's really, you know, the one way we can test it, of course, is against the Bible. But if it's something that, let's say, the Bible doesn't necessarily speak to or right. about specifically, then it's really tough. And so, yeah, yeah. so the Bible actually does speak directly to the question you're asking, though, in First Thessalonians chapter 5. And um, I'm just going to open it up right there and I'll read okay. a few verses. Uh, I think it's a really important passage because I think it, it kind of gives us both sides of the coin. Here's what he yeah. says. He says, Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to that which is good. Okay, so do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophecies. If Paul had to tell them not to despise prophecies, yeah, that probably means people were despising prophecies. And the idea there is this, what does that look like? Well, I can imagine that probably looked a lot like what we're talking about right now, where somebody would come and say, hey, I have a word from the Lord. And other people would just kind of roll their eyes and be like, oh, come on, you know? Now, I think that Paul's even alluding to the fact that sometimes what people uh, said was actually from, you know, said was from the Lord, wasn't actually from the Lord. That's why he says, test everything and hold fast only to that which is good. And he says, don't quench the spirit. Because I think that what can happen is that in, you know, if we have bad experiences with it, right? Like we have somebody who does exactly that. They kind of like try to bolster their statements by claiming right. that God told them something when maybe it was just their own idea, but, you know, it sounds a lot more spiritual and you, you like have to pay attention if it's from God. Um, the people were doing that and some people, you know, getting frustrated with it. But Paul says, look, I know that that's the risk that we run it, when we talk, when we, when we move in the realm of spiritual gifts, we, we run the risk of people abusing it, of people 
making up stuff and claiming that it's, you know, really from the Lord when it when it's not. And he says, and yet we don't want to quench the spirit. We don't want to become cynical to the point where we think, oh, whatever, this stuff just doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, I don't, I don't believe that God is really talking to you or talking through you. He says, you can't let that happen. So don't quench the spirit. Don't become a, a cynical Sally, if you will, right? But, right. Um, and, and don't despise prophecies, right? But... Is that prophecy words of knowledge? Yeah, you know, I think there's a pretty fine line between prophecy and words of knowledge. I think that's the other thing about spiritual gifts. Um, here's my two cents on them. In the, in the Bible, I think that there are spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible. But oftentimes, you know, is there, uh, between a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom... You know, I, I don't think that they're like hard and fast lines, right? Like, right. I think sometimes, you know, when somebody's teaching, so that's a gift of the Spirit, right? Being able to teach. And somebody might be teaching and be moving in an area of prophecy and have a word of knowledge during that thing, right? They might be in an administrative role and have a word of wisdom. So I think that, you know, these things can, they're not just like clear-cut buckets, right? It's, this is only that, and this is only that. So I think that mm -hmm. sometimes a word of knowledge is a prophetic word. I mean, that's exactly what it is, right? It's a word from God. So, um, sure. yeah, I think that falls in the same category. We don't want to quench the Spirit. Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians, I do not want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And mm -hmm. so, so it's something that he cares about, and we should. he wants us to be knowledgeable about. And yet, it seems to me what he's acknowledging here in 1 Thessalonians 5 is that yeah, sometimes people are going to abuse this. And um, yeah. he says, so test everything. Hold fast that which is good. You know, test it against the word. And then also, you know, sometimes you just got to put something on the shelf and say, okay, you know, somebody said that this is a word from the Lord. We'll, we'll wait and see, right? We, we all yeah. saw this with, that, with all these uh, prophetic messages that come out about politicians this way or that way, right? This is going to happen yeah, by this date. Like... And then it doesn't. So. Yeah, and I guess the reason I'm kind of bent up about this is because, like, for the for the, like five years that I've been a Christian, like, I feel like I've never seen it done right, and uh, I feel like I've never seen it done legitimately. Like, especially people hearing from God. I I went through YWAM. I went through a school in YWAM, and it was just like it's just like nonsense like people saying they're hearing from god and like it was encouraged and and now i actually go to a church that's sensationalist now but i'm just wondering if you know that's too far in the other direction and yeah yeah here's my take Here, here's what i like about calvary chapel i'll just be real honest uh we call ourselves charismatic with a seatbelt. Right, that's just kind of like an insider thing that we say. We don't like actually promote that. So, but I, I always think that that, on the one hand, is kind of funny. But on the other hand, I don't know. I kind of like it, man, because you know, we want to be biblical, and to be biblical, in my opinion, is to be a continuationist. And I actually wrote for my, uh, when I was doing my masters, I did a deep dive on this because I was curious and I was using my opportunity as a grad student to do some research. So I looked into some of this stuff about cessationism and continuationism and, uh, and what's called theological method, which is basically the, the method by which you arrive at a theological conclusion. And I did one on cessationism, and particularly John MacArthur. 
And you know what I the the thing I came to is that basically his cessationism and the cessationism of most people who assuage this thing it hasn't existed for very long. It's a relatively new a- approach. It's come about really in the 16 and 1700s, and it was a reaction to the Catholic Church, which is a uh, continuationist. By the way, they do believe in the gifts of the Spirit and the miraculous. Oh, really? Yeah. Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was a, a primarily amongst the Scottish. The Scottish were reacting to uh, what they believed to be superstition within the Roman Catholic Church, and and really the their theological method was that it was based on kind of what you're saying, right? They they had bad experiences, they saw abuse, etc. And so they said, you know what? I, we don't believe this is even for today. But I, I'm just telling you that that's not the right way to do theology, right? That's not a good theological method. We don't say that because I've never seen it done well, therefore I don't believe in it. Rather, we say, what does the Bible say? And I build my doctrines on based on what the Bible says. Hmm. So yeah. that, that would be my encouragement to you. Um, I think it's good to be charismatic with a seatbelt, right? Which yeah. means that... Um, that's cool. We want to be as biblical as possible. That's my goal. And, and that means that I would say, even if I haven't seen it done right, I still believe that it exists and it can be done right. And that's my hope is to see it done right. Yeah, me too. Me too. Oh, um, hey, that, that brings us to the end of our show. So I got to let you go. Hey, thanks for a okay. great conversation. Thank you. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Hey, join us this Sunday. Uh, Check us out online for information, service times, etc. Whitefieldschurch.com. I'll be with you again on Friday for Calvary Live. God bless you and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.